welcome to the Driveway Athletes Podcast. This is a follow-up episode about our favorite wrestling matches. In this episode, Jack and Bill discuss SummerSlam. And the first segment will be SummerSlam 1995, Shawn Michaels versus Razor Ramon in their second ladder match. I hope you enjoy this episode as much as we enjoyed recording it. Thank you. We're back again with Bill DeRozier. I'm still talking about our favorite matches. We just finished Survivor Series. Um, and now we're going to, we're moving right into SummerSlam, which um, when you talked a little bit about this, um, SummerSlam is one of your more uh, liked pay-per-views, huh? You know me. You've known me for 22 years, is it? I'm a summer guy. So this was always like a free Labor Day spectacle. The summer spectacular. I was a big SummerSlam mark. I mean, so uh, going back into my younger days, um, one of my more favorable matches was Warrior at SummerSlam. Didn't he come out and just obliterate the Honky Tonk Man at SummerSlam? Surprise. It was a surprise at the time, yeah. Yeah. Honky Tonk Man was calling people out, calling anybody out from the back, and there hit that music, and there came the Warrior. The longest running Intercontinental Champion in history, Honky Tonk Man, lost in about 30 seconds. (laughs) Just, you know, the definition of just the Blitzkrieg, you know. Um, Thank God I didn't ask the Honky Tonk Man about that match. (laughs) Um. Uh, that is a ridiculous story that we might have to talk about at another point in time, but it is really funny. Uh, this never initiate a conversation with a wrestler. Uh, not, one, not one that has no line. No, no, there was no line. That may be back Different kind of line. Ah, yes, yes, yes. Back on track. <laughs> so, um, we'll start with mine. We'll go with yours. Uh, and I had given you the props earlier, but I'll do it again. Um, I had picked out what were my favorite matches. And then with watching, I feel like um, with watching both back to back, I came away liking your matches a little bit more than my own. I don't feel like I picked bad matches, but... Um, just uh, different. Uh, we have two different styles of matches that we took, um, and maybe that's a little bit of reflection on our personalities and memories. But um, so I've got uh, Shawn Michaels versus Razor Ramon, SummerSlam '95, um, and if my memory serves me correctly, this is the second ladder match between Razor Ramon and Shawn Michaels. It is. First one was at uh, WrestleMania 10 back in March of 94. And HBK was the heel and Razor was the face at that time. And we have a double switch here, right? So um, in this match, Razor is is the bad guy. Um, True to his gimmick. True to his gimmick. And Michaels uh, comes out. You can hear from the from the reaction of the crowd that Michaels is is the the baby face slash good guy. Um, 
funny, funny story that I didn't touch on earlier with you. Um, I listen to a lot of podcasts throughout the week, and uh, one of them I listen to is Something to Wrestle With with Bruce Pritchard. Extremely great insider view, and him talking about that era, so to speak. They were trying to get Vince McMahon to believe that HBK would be this great bait, and McMahon denied and denied and denied. He's a heel, damn it. Look at him. But he denied it to, to the very WrestleMania before this match, the 95 WrestleMania, where he fought Diesel. And then after that WrestleMania, he gets in the limo with Pritchard and I think Pat Patterson and goes, God damn it, why didn't anybody tell me Sean was a babyface? <laughs> well, here's he the- had no idea if, he, if Vince was messing with him or Vince convinced himself that he just had the best idea for the next great babyface in Shawn Michaels. Well, here's here's the thing with with Shawn Michaels. He does both very well. It doesn't matter. It He's doesn't... my all time favorite, and it, I can go on saying that. Yeah. I can't say enough about him as a worker. So we've got, so I've got SummerSlam '95, and you've got um, SummerSlam 2002, right? Correct. Correct. There- there's some years, seven year, seven years between our matches. Um, so obviously over from between 95 and 2002, wrestling has gone through major, you know, uh, major changes, you know. Um, Almost like night and day. So when you say Sean is your favorite um, or HBK is your favorite, uh, it's not exactly easy to... Um, I don't know how long after SummerSlam 95 that, that uh, Shawn Michaels is forced into an early retirement, um, but it can't be that long. Two, two and a half years, I believe. It was uh, March 98 when the match with Austin happened. Um, it's You're going from... I don't know. I come with these exact dates, by the way. I have no idea why it happens. I can't even remember what I did most of my early 20s. But okay. I can remember a wrestling event that happened 27 years ago. I appreciate it because there's some things that I remember with precision like that. And there's some things it's more loose. So um, for some reason, I was thinking Shawn Michaels was out by 96. Um, 98 probably feels a, a lot more correct. But... Um, <laughs> Right, so uh, we both have have Shawn Michaels matches here. Um, for you, he's he's really your your. If you were to tag who your favorite of all time is, um, it is it is Shawn Michaels. I can see why. You know, like I I can see why. Um, not the biggest guy, um, but he's believable as a main eventer. He comes right. He starts as a tag team wrestler. And he builds into this great singles career. Um, what isn't there to like about a guy? I remember, and when we were talking about this earlier, I remember the promos that they did, and then we'll get to the matches, um, when Shawn, when Shawn Michaels was building to be the champion with Jose Lothario, right? And they just had this, like, here's the glitz and glamour, the heartbreak kid, the showstopper, the fireworks guy, you know? And they're building, they're showing you this, you know, this is just a kid living out his dream. And that's something that I remember to this day, you know, to this day, um, just a very memorable way to build this, this guy up. 
very memorable, very different at the time. They took almost a realistic approach with showing training videos, like almost like an HBO 24-7 type effect back then, which wasn't really done. There was promos building up, but it was never, I think Brett was, or Brett or Sean were in stadiums running up steps. You showed an empty gym and uh, Jose Lasalfaro's training Sean. Brett, I think, is in the snow in Calgary. It's something you didn't really see a buildup in a wrestling match. It felt more realistic back then. And they were kind of bordering on a more realistic blurring of the lines thing as well. Um, And not that either of us have the Montreal match on our matches, but um, they didn't really like each other much. So... Uh, they built they built to that extreme dislike for one another. When it started, they were they when they were the Rockers and the Hart Foundation, they liked one another. Right. But then things things got iffy in ninety seven. Right. It's got a little personal. A lot of personal, actually. Sunny days. <laughs> let's uh let's go back to nineteen ninety five. So we've got uh, second, second ladder match between Razor and, and, and Shawn Michaels. Um, Shawn Michaels on the way out to the ring climbs up, uh, climbs up one side ladder and down the other, right? So, um, you're kind of, of getting a little bit of, of showmanship there. And Razor, when he first comes out to the ring, um, hits the camera with four times as if he's now going to, you know, like he's, he's calling his shot. I'm going to be the four time intercontinental champion. Um, and I think with both, you get a, you know, like a little bit of, of gamesmanship. It was, it was a fun beginning, but my words to you earlier um, when we, when we talked a little bit about these matches was um, when I watch a match from 95, it's a lot easier for me to feel nostalgic because the cameras in 95 when the, when the matches are more in the early 2000s, the cameras are good enough um, where it doesn't feel like it's blurry or um, the, the definition and when it trans, trans uh, moves to digital, it's not as clear that this is just old, you know? Um, right. So I have a lot more nostalgia for, for these two 95 matches. Because I, for some reason, feel like I was younger, you know? Um, Oh, absolutely. It takes you in a time warp. And the thing about it is we both individually picked out these matches that weren't a real great time for business. Going in 1995 was a down period. And we have matches from that year. And 96 really wasn't booming for WWF. And we have matches from that year. So, I mean, what does that tell you, really? So if you were to to ask me my, my hypothesis on that, it's that these guys, right? So you have the end of an, an abrupt end of an era. Um, some guys go over to WCW. Um, some guys aren't really welcome back. Um, whatever it is. And then you've got these young guys starting to build or starting to get their time in the light. And they're not quite polished yet. Um, but there is big time talent there. So, um, my match had had Diesel, you know, from from the last run. Uh, he goes on to WCW to to form the Outsiders, to form possibly the most influential faction in wrestling history. Um, same goes for Razor. 
right? Still selling t-shirts to this day, NWL. Right. Um, Still an iconic logo, too. Um, You see it, you know what it is, um, even if you aren't a wrestling fan. Um, Shawn Michaels, uh, even though he did have an injury injury imposed break, um, kind of the same idea. He goes on to start the Generation X. You know, um, with, with with Triple H, and these guys were really not. This might have been a downtime for the business, and some of that was that the business was figuring itself out. Um, we're not having guys out there with jobs as their gimmick. Um, it is more uh, a, a personality based thing. You're not going to have. Um, the, the days of Dr. Isaac Yankum are coming to an end. Um, it, it goes from less cartoonish to more authentic, with right. I believe ECW having a very profound effect in that era. I mean, this is 95. ECW, its first show, I want to say it was in the summer or October of 93. ECW just hit stride at this time. And you had you had to make it more realistic and authentic, and and, it, and that was happening in the world as well. You're moving away from hair bands, you're moving away from neon and dudes, and you're getting Nirvana, and you're getting Stone Temple Pilots, and you're getting you're getting a different genre of music, and it's a well, different genre of life at that point and, for everybody. Well, and think about it too; it doesn't even just touch there. Um, how different was Seinfeld at the time? You know, your sit your sitcom was about a real life situation. It wasn't this like set up punchline rim shot, you know, like um it wasn't the wholesome family. It wasn't the, the wholesome family of four or five. Yep. And um your top T V drama, I believe, around this time is NYPD Blue, who was pushing a lot of boundaries. You know right. I um, believe I, I believe I was fourteen and was watching that show and I caught a uh an uncensored view of Dennis Franz's backside and still scars me to this day. Thank you very much, NYPD Blue. Uh, iconic moment. <laughs> um, but Unheard of for, for its day. Oh, well, my God. A bare, a bare bottom on TV. Oh, my God. The world is going to end. But but the world, right? So so not just is wrestling changing, but the, but the world and the expectations of what we're going to watch is changing. And I think that what the, what the the fans wanted and what you're starting to get a little bit more is we don't want a guy who's telling me to say my prayers and eat my vitamins. Um, we, we don't want a guy who's, who's quote unquote phony, right? Because that guy, it turns out, you know, had his own secrets. Um, and I think not that, exactly the captain America he portrayed. Right. And so I think that what what audiences kind of wanted there was give me my heroes, warts and all, because um, we know life's more complicated than than that, you know, than than good guy versus bad guy. And you're starting to get this, you know, in this time, you know, 1998 is not that far away from 1995. And I don't think you get that without these guys cutting their teeth, you know. And these guys are cutting their teeth now in this time. And I just think that we both have these mid nineties matches and maybe we didn't under, we don't understand when we picked them and when we were watching them, why we like these matches so much. But what, what to me, what I'm watching is I'm watching a guy who's trying to make the most out of their, their spot 
and their spot is going to be the big show. They're, these guys are not curtain yankers. They were hungry at the time. They yeah. wanted it. Sean, Scott, Kevin, Triple H, and to a degree, Sean Waltman, they, they were hungry, and they lived – breathed and sweated the business up and down the road at that time. And that's why, you know, they had we picked out a bunch of matches individually of itself with Click members. I believe we have them all represented except for Waltman. Yeah, except for Pop. Who was a good work. Yeah, who was a good worker by himself, but yeah. he wasn't. You're not a really- match of the year. Yeah. Type. Um, so uh, We've got another match, too, where um, you've got Razor targeting Shawn Michaels' legs. So we had that with Bret Hart and um, We have that represented here. Um, so still an uh, uh, in-ring psychology, you know, psychological match, even though it's a gimmick match, a ladder match. Um, uh, let me see. And neither, neither of them really wanted to do this match. I mean, before we get into the match, yeah. they were dead set against it. You know, both of them. They're like, well, why, why do this? We had the, the Mona Lisa of ladder matches. There's nothing we can do to top this. It's a sequel that didn't need to be made. A Dumb and Dumber. A Godfather 3. The list goes on and on and on and on. Neither guy wanted to do this. And before they hit the curtain, maybe a half hour, hour, doing my research... Vince told both of them, hey, guys, Kate Luke, use the ladder tonight. We want to present a wholesome product. We can't use the ladder as a weapon. What? Well, why book the match that way, right? Um, then build it. Then, in my eyes, build a different gimmick. Just do a different match. There's still a match, match, for God's sakes. There's a thousand choices you could use. A thousand. You didn't have to do a sequel. Yeah. Especially when either guy's heart were in it. And I even kind of picked that up by facial expressions. They're like, great. Like, their belief was anything we do tonight is going to be disappointed to the first one. But you know what? And they probably felt that way. And they may even have felt that way while the match was going on. It is a good match. Oh, 100%. You didn't pick a stinker. Yeah. They, they, have, they had great chemistry. Whether it be a ladder match world match they they could do anything these two and scott doesn't get enough credit either and i feel like i said with kevin earlier as being a great worker scott was a phenomenal worker and you know they said oh hbk wrestled a broomstick this and that scott held his own scott always held his own scott had demons that's why they never could put the strap on scott well as as far as worker goes he was top-notch from the moment he walked in AWA in 84 or 85. He's a heel's heel. Razor he comes across as naturally arrogant, and it comes across, it oozes machismo, all pun intended, to the screen. Yeah, so he's a heel's heel. That's what he is. And sometimes for those guys, too, there's just a natural ceiling. Um, but he is a heel's heel. Like, he, if he wants to make you not like him, he can make you not like him, you know, and he can make you hate him. Um, so early uh, after they both get to the ring, there is a really hard time getting this strap attached to the 
to the hook that it's going to be on um, where they put it up and then it's got to come back down. They mess with it and then they put it up again. Um, and I feel like uh, whatever went wrong there at the end of the match really shows. Yeah, it's it's all over Sean's face. It's 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 a botch. And one thing Sean doesn't like is being made to look bad. Like he couldn't get that goddamn belt off, and it it didn't look it didn't look clean. It didn't look smooth. Well, he had to climb. You could tell he was frustrated three times. Yeah. Um, when they have he this, sl- I believe he's if memory serves, and I watched it, but he slams the ladder down in frustration, and then they cut to a move, and Razor gets heaved over the top rope so Sean can climb the ladder. But he 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 slams the ladder down in frustration. So they have this dramatic buildup where they both climb up each side of the ladder and get to fist fight at the top. And I believe that's when, when Shawn Michaels grabs the belt for the first time to win the match. That's the way the match, you know, if it was clean, was supposed to end. But then you have... That's this, what I thought. That's what I figured, yeah. Then you have the additional work because whatever happened, whether they, they just really strapped the belt on too, met, too much... Or they just the the it was just because they put it on that way it was just a little too high, but it just um, you have this three time grab which you got had these guys put on such a great match um, to have this feel like this at the end is is you can you know I feel frustrated for them. I mean it, it was a great match, but there had to be a sense of frustration on both ends. To not want to do the match anyway, to not being allowed to use the ladder as as a weapon, and then the finish is basically botched. There had to be some level of frustration in the back that they had to talk about on the way to the next town. <laughs> um, so some other some other notes I had. Um, we get a a live update uh, on Psycho Sid watching the match. Um, and a lot of Psycho Sid talk between the announcers. Um, and I feel like my words were, I want to watch the match in front of me. You know, um, whatever my own feelings about uh, Sid Vicious are, um, I want to watch the match in front of me. What's going to be going on on Monday or the next pay-per-view is going to be going on. We can build that up. If, if, psych- if Sid's not doing a run-in, I don't need to know. I don't need to know what <laughs> I assume he's watching. We both agree on that. I, it took away from the match. I mean, this is a title match at a pay-per-view. This isn't a filler match on Raw. You don't need to cut away to Sid. You know, it just took, I felt it took away the match rather than <laughs> give it full focus. Right. We knew the first one was so good. Why would you make it feel less than by cutting to the potential next opponent, right? I don't, this isn't um, 10 minutes in the raw and I need to know that Stone Cold's in the building. You know, like, um, I don't need to cut to- And, to- and back then, there wasn't pay-per-views every month. This, there was four a year. Right. So it, it seemed bigger. These pay-per-views actually seemed like pay-per-views at the time. It wasn't like, oh, every three weeks there's a pay-per-view. These, these were, and it just- it gave a feel like it was, like you said, less than, and it was, I felt it was needless to yeah. do that. I agree. 
And it, you didn't you didn't have him come out, correct? At all. He did not come out at all. You had the talk about it, talk about him a little bit, and then they showed him watching a very small monitor. Um, so it was it was pretty much all for nothing. Uh, correct. Correct. Which is another reason why a long time ago we should have been bookers. Yeah. It just I just don't understand the thought process of why. You know, like when I took the notes, I just didn't there's no payoff. There's there was no payoff that night. So why do it? Exactly. Exactly. Then that's kind of what I had written down. It's just like I don't understand the why. Um so um did you have any additional notes? Because those are kind of the long and short. Like, oh, I've got um, – it's a gimmick match, but it doesn't really feel overly so. But I also didn't know that they, they had that – those instructions. So I, 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 one of my bullet points was the ladder almost feels like a character itself. Um, it's just there waiting to be used. Um, it, it's just a, it's a, just a needless prop if you're not going to use it. Going to use it, but it, it it some it does feel it did feel like an ominous character. Um, well, I obviously didn't know it at the time. Uh, you know, I was what 16, 15. I I didn't know they couldn't use it as a weapon, so it didn't really affect me. But looking back, it was like, wow, really? Why? Yeah. Now, now when we look back with that piece of information, it changes how you feel about the latter being an ominous character in the corner. You know, but like. Without that piece of information, which I just learned today, my note was that's how it felt to me. Like it was just, it was there staring over the wrestlers, um, waiting, you know, and, and, and it felt that way. Agreed. So um, did you have any other points about this match? No, I think I, I think I hit them all during our conversation. The last note I had was click rules. <laughs> you get Sean and Scott at the end giving each other the big hug. Yeah, so there is a, a quick congratulations. I think that that is something that I had. Um, and then a point you t- you touched on earlier with the DX and the NWO, click north and click south. You yeah. had HBK and Triple H running north, and you had uh, Kevin and Scott running south. So they really revolutionized the business. Well, they went and on to, just like – just like we were talking about with Stone Cold and The Rock and, and you have people that bend things. Well, you know, these these four or five guys also have their own marks where they bent, bent some things as well. Um, and I think that a little bit of when we're talking about, uh, you know what, I'm going to save this point for your for the next match. Um it's just a little bit about HBK and in that echelon of, of being considered, you know, like the all times and lost time. And then being between two eras, sometimes he gets, he gets missed in that shuffle, but we can talk about that. Um, when we talk about our next match, which is SummerSlam 2002 HBK versus triple H street fight. Um, so we'll be right back uh, with, with our discussion about the, that match. still listening here at the driveway athletes podcast before we start the next segment i do want to warn you guys that we run into a little bit of technical difficulties uh, in the next segment which is why it's broken up into two parts i ask that you have some patience 
um, with listening because there still are, if uh, if you have some patience, there are still are some good points in that part where there are technical difficulties. We do come back with a, another segment with some cleaned up um, audio. So if you have the patience to sit through, I really ask that you do. Um, if not, you can skip to the second part uh, to listen to a more clean, cleaned up audio. Otherwise, thank you guys for listening. And we're back here with Bill DeRozier. Um, we're talking SummerSlam 2002. Um, Shawn Michaels versus Triple H Street Fight. Um, this was your SummerSlam pick. Um, we just discussed, we just closed up discussing uh, Shawn Michaels versus Razor Ramon. So we can close out the four members of the clique here. Um, but interesting that we both have Shawn Michaels uh, SummerSlam matches. And again, we didn't discuss these. Um, when we selected them, we discussed them after we had selected them, but we didn't, you know, you didn't get my feedback when you picked yours. I didn't get your feedback when I picked mine. Um, so also interesting that, that there is a theme here and as was with survivor series. Totally, totally individual of one another. And we, we agreed a lot. Not coincidentally or coincidentally, I should say. (laughs) So, um, when you had uh, selected this match, I was having some uh, technical difficulties, so I actually had to rewind the match, and I put this match on like later in the night. And um, when I was rewinding it, I was like, "Oh man, this is a long match. You know, this match is over 40, 40 minutes for a quote unquote street fight match." Um, now, this would be again the first time that I'm watching this match since two thousand and two. Um, but I was like, man, he really, he really picked a long one. And uh, the reality is when you start watching it, it, that 40 minutes or 45 minutes, however long that match was, really feels like five or 10. So um, just to start, I, I thought that I was in for a longer night um, when really this did not feel like a long match. It may have maybe minute wise, but it does not feel that way. Went by almost in an instant. Yeah, that's how my, that's how quick it flew by. So, um, a little history, right? Is one is it's a a non-sanctioned match, which puts it not quite hardcore match, not quite no DQ match. Um, but there's no rules aside from if you give up or you're pinned. Correct. Correct. They they do the no DQ street fight a lot when it's. I guess you can take shortcuts that way. You can go through the crowd. You don't have to have the cardio to go to wrestle an actual match. You can go through the crowd. You can do big spots. They use this as almost a crutch. And this being Sean's first match in over four years, this was the crutch they went to. And, you know, there was real-life bad blood between Triple H and HBK for a couple years there where they didn't talk. Everybody remembers, you know, them as bosom buddies. There was a couple of years there where Sean was an asshole and Triple H washed his hands of him. So there was, in that four-year span, there was probably two and a half, almost three years where they didn't talk at all. So, so that was going into this match. But, you know, piggybacking off your point with the no DQ, it's, it's a crutch used when you don't know what you're going to get from the guy. And they, it, and they can end it abruptly if it's not going well. 
um, interesting. So almost like what what they would call in boxing a tune-up fight, right? Like we're going to get you in the ring. Um, we don't really know what you're going to get. We're not going to put you back in there with a top contender, but we're going to um, see where you're really at. Um, well, by, by this time, everything had been patched up. Sean had gotten clean. He had gotten, he found God. He, he was a great father and everything was patched up going into this match. I don't want to come across as there was bad blood going into this match. They were, they were friends again. Everything was hunky dory. And if Sean had picked somebody, it was going to be somebody he trusted. And there's nobody else that he trusted more than Paul Levesque, Triple H. So, um, this is this is Shawn Michaels' first match back, right? Since March of '98, when he dropped the strap to Austin, and he had the back trouble, which was believed to be at that time career-threatening. Well, it not it sidelined him for four years, so it was it had to have been career-threatening. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, it wasn't a lost my smile. I don't want to do the job type of injury. Yeah. So. Um, you get this match, which is a little bit of um, a big undertaking for your first match back with a back injury, back, back, blah. but um, because there are ladders, there are chair, you know, like it is a no DQ. So um, again, it, this isn't a um, regular, just tune up match. There are still, things here that can go wrong for your first match or possibly your swan song. I couldn't go out on my terms and now I am. Um, So it is a big undertaking to take on this kind of match, even though there is a quick out. If your back does give, you're not taking just a normal, you know, whatever single fall count, 15 minute time limit match. It's not Um, your basic NWA worldwide prelim match. It's it's a big undertaking, like you said. Yeah. So um, my first bullet point was um, I've got the announcers beating me over the head that this is a non-sanctioned match, but then I've got a WWF slash WWA branded referee in the ring, right? He's got the zebra stripes on. He's got a WWE patch. And I don't care if they used an actual referee. I just... For me, like, he just shouldn't have been in uniform then. You know, like, um, if it's not sanctioned, it's not sanctioned. That, that was a, a, just a stylistic choice that I felt like uh, maybe nitpicky. Um, but uh, just it could, have done with a, it could have done with a guest referee. I feel, possibly. Yeah, I mean, just, again, just a... If we're going, if you're not, if you're not going to have the standard count outs and DQs and you don't have to count, you know, when they're on the ropes, I mean, a special guest referee, it could have worked here. Um, so then my second point I have that Shawn Michaels got split open pretty early in the match. Um, I, so I have that Shawn Michaels split open and then basically comma, just a different era. So, um, I don't know, again, since you're good with pulling dates out, when did uh, bleeding become unacceptable? McMahon never really liked it. He went with it, but even going back towards that Austin-Brett match that we touched at earlier at WrestleMania, I think Austin bled on his own. Vince was never a fan of blood. 
he felt it was old time wrestling. But right. I guess when blood was banned, I would see it's real tough to say. But I would get I would guess around when Cena came around, or I would say mid twenty ten somewhere somewhere around there. Because I remember a lot of blood being spilled with Eddie Guerrero and JBL later in that decade. So more towards the turn of the decade, I would say, would be so, the band. In that, like, 2008, 2009, maybe? I would say so. I mean, I could be wrong there. But um, he never really was a fan of Blood. He thought it was too too old-school wrestling, like I said. And it didn't really wholesome sports entertainment that he wanted to portray. It was dirty. And he doesn't like dirty. I mean, that's interesting where that line is, you know, because um, it does remind me a little bit of when they decided to take blood out of those old Sega Genesis um, NHL games where if a guy got injured, no matter what the injury was, he was on the ice and there was blood and then they took it out. But there's still the physical parts of the game. So it's funny that there's this line about blood also in WWE when, I mean, look, 2002, they're still using sex to sell their product. You know, like it's still an A hour. And I mean, T and A, not TNA. Um, so it's interesting that blood, dirty, but um, sex to sell uh, and um, a guy who's had a history of, of maybe some questionable characters previously that's okay but blood is not it's an, an interesting line to have it uh it comes across a little hypocritical and uh touching off your sega genesis point like good for people to believe but that's not and ray mysteria hypothetically his eye and sold it as real <laughs> to the, and i didn't i didn't say this to you earlier Collins was the opponent he actually vomited on camera so <laughs> Okay, but a guy in you know character losing his eye and having his own throw up, you know that, that's fine. That's fine. What is this? Um, Ric Flair having a fake heart attack in the corner. It's getting you two thousand at this point in my eyes. Like I don't doing this Monday night. I have no fire tool. You've no need to be a big wrestling fan. I mean, the biggest wrestling fan I know. Um, I don't think why- I've I don't think I've watched a Roller Smackdown full since this shutdown happened. And maybe towards I, I watched pay per views from time to time. I watched the one last night. Um, I watch AEW now. Quick watch. It's two hours. It comes. This isn't a you know a promo, but just three hours of a lot of time to invest. Now, especially when there's no, and it doesn't, it's a lot. So that's, that's the, that's my take on these current books. Um, so, uh, just a quick, a quick line here. Um, biggest wrestling fan I know, that's why you're, that's why we're having this conversation, right? Like I, I couldn't just have this conversation with anybody, um, because there's things I have to ask you. Anybody, we all, I could have gone on and Googled these things, but um, I hope that it comes across how big of a fan that you are because you can pull some of these things right out of thin air. Um, so 
you know, a genuine fan. Uh, whereas I, I kind of I, I used to read. I'm sorry. I mean, I used to read a lot of my teenage years. My friend, unfortunately, I didn't. Wrong. I watched. I listened to Pro Wrestling Illustrated. Um. So. Uh. I stopped watching wrestling probably right around not long after this SummerSlam. I would imagine by 2003, 2004, I was not watching anymore. Um, so, uh, I had we had all lives like general brand. It just, it just is, you know, things move on and you have other stuff that, that takes over. Um, Let's not gloss over the fact that there was only town. There, well, there's one show in town. Two thousand one, only one, and um, they still were insisting upon themselves. And what I mean by that is, I've got a three-hour raw. Hello. All right. So we had a little bit of technical difficulties. Um, So I don't know the last line that I had said that got recorded, Um, but basically, you had said. Um, we had one brand, um, there was, you know, around that time we have the collapse at WCW, there's really only one show in town. And then my line was, um, I felt as though, even though that was the case, the product was, or the, the brand, the product, uh, was a little bit insistent upon itself. And what I meant by that is now they have this massive roster, right? Um, so they're still doing three-hour Mondays and two-hour Tuesdays and a pay-per-view every three weeks. That is a large commitment um, to stay on top of it when the product really did suffer a, a, a bit. And that, that's not necessarily a knock on the talent. It's just a knock on my main philosophy is always that once And um, when you don't have a strong competitor, um, you're not necessarily – tasked with putting on the strongest show i i believe you're right in that respect i mean the writing teams can get burnout when you're when you're producing new original content for five to nine hours i mean you're a big sopranos fan i'm a big sopranos fan could we watch five hour sopranos a week well there was one enough the product would suffer right if i if that was the, the case it would cheapen each episode too much of anything is not good. I mean, how much do I love chicken parm? Do I want to have chicken parm every night? No. Steak is great. Every now and then you need a Big Mac. It, yeah, it just is. It's too much of too much of anything is killer. And that caused the demise of WCW and it looks like it's not going that way. It's going that way for WWE, if I'm being honest. Soon as they soon as WCW created Thunder. Down, down that hill they went. They didn't have the creative capabilities to do five hours of live TV, eight if you count a pay-per-view every week. You burn yourself out. You don't have enough over guys to do two shows. Well, and then there's the old... You could, you could fill any show with a bunch of hands. It don't mean people are going to watch. And then not only was there this issue about creative... Um, folks to put on the show but you had so many wcw uh talent uh, that had control of their own character so maybe they didn't want to wrestle both monday and thursday you know or or whatever and not, not what they signed up for brother yeah 
<laughs> so uh, for me, brother, also not a help. Um, but right now we're talking um, SummerSlam 2002, and that's a little bit how we got off on a tangent on uh, really. Uh, so we have the height of the attitude, and we're starting to feel um, the 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 tightening of that grip of I I this is must see television is starting to loosen up. Um, but Shawn Michaels, uh, triple H street fight, um, non-sanctioned match. Uh, so, um, we get Shawn Michaels split early. We get H, uh, triple H with a, a big red mask type, um, amount of blood, um, later on in the match, um, Shawn Michaels is wearing jeans and they are just, it looks like they're dirty, but it is just blood um, uh, at different parts of his gene. Um, so, again, um, just a sign of a different era than where we are now. But also a little bit, that amount of blood is not that typical even for Attitude, really, or, or the WWF product, as we were um, discussing. Even with all the hardcore matches, there really wasn't a ton of, of blood through that time. No, no, absolutely not. It felt more like a, an ECW match, this match we're, we're viewing today, than anything else with the blood and the weapons and the devil-may-care mentality that they went in with. So it's funny that you mentioned ECW. And this is now, a, I think, the third time we're talking ECW. So one of my bullet points was, um, how was the stock for the companies that made wooden bingo hall tables between 1998 and 2003, because I feel like half the budget for these shows was put into wooden tables. Thousands and thousands of dollars <laughs> just for that effect, just to have the crowd chant ECW. <laughs> and um, I shared with you a story earlier t- uh, today. So um, Billy and I are from Northeast Philadelphia. Um, I played roller hockey in a league uh, that was the um, the rink was located behind where the Franklin Mills uh, Walmart used to be. It was called Woodhaven Sports Center. And I was probably a 15 year old kid playing in a men's night league. And um, we had a game on a Monday and there was an ECW event that weekend at Woodhaven Sports Center. And there had to be a hundred pieces of a hundred broken tables outside of Woodhaven Sports Center. And as a 15 year old kid, it was a pretty um, memorable thing to see. I mean, I'm still talking, I'm 38 now. I'm still mentioning that I saw, saw this. So obviously it was quite the memory. It, it made me a little, um, I feel like I, when, when I got there, I was like, oh man, I, I should have gone to the show. You know, like it looks like they had a good time. It's amazing knowing how guys weren't being paid in ECW that they still always had money for tables. They're not cheap. They're definitely not cheap. No, they are not. But cheap. there's always room in the budget for that. Uh, well, I mean, geez, I guess you could pay the tables as much as you pay your main event when <laughs> really that's. Well, well, well that would uh, mean that you would be paying your main event. Sorry, <laughs> Paul Heyman. Um, but. Uh, one thing that was an interesting highlight of this match was HBK was almost like a comedian doing crowd work um, throughout the match. He's, he's talking to the crowd or, or lipping to the crowd, pointing to the crowd. Um, it really felt 
um, there was a connection there, you know, like he really felt back in his element. Great point. It's almost like he was being alive again, coming alive again for the first time in four years. Like you could tell how much he missed this. Um, so I, you know, uh, do you have any points that I didn't hit Billy? Um, basically the, the pre-match packages, one thing that WWE does great, and I don't want to come across as bashing them throughout everything. Cause I love, I love the product was their pre-match packages. Like just amazing editing, amazing music, almost f- building up to like a real fight. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like they're top, top notch all over their production team. Does not get enough credit. They'll never get an all of fame. But anything almost I watch now is looking back or a documentary on looking back at that time. And they do a phenomenal job at it. And also that this match was, it was only supposed to be one match. And this will lead up to the ending. But this was, there was no Monday night for Shawn Michaels. This was supposed to be one and done. Hey man, thanks. You popped us a buy rate. Thanks. If we need you again, appreciate it. It went on for eight years after this match. But it was only only supposed to be one and done. So, uh, to bring it back, you have a front front flip roll um, on a reversal of a pedigree to land a pin. Um, So, we've got another surprise technical win. Um, Looks to be a theme of our favorite matches. Not just from Bret Hart, but um, here we go again, right? Uh, Which is kind of kind of crazy, right? I mean, it's not if you look if you knew both of us, you the, these that would not fit our personalities. It's just an interesting, absolutely not, an interesting common theme there. Um, so we get this pin, uh, and then Triple H grabs a sledgehammer, right? So what what else for a Triple H match? In this era, um, with no DQ, uh, it's kind of necessary that he has that he grabs a sledgehammer. Well, he's gonna he's gonna be there the next night. Sean isn't. Yeah. So um, he hits Shawn Michaels in the back twice uh, with the sledgehammer. So we've got this whole build up that he's been laid off because of a back condition, and then you get two big swings with sledgehammer to the back. Um, Triple H leaves the ring not in great shape um but he's able to walk and they bring out the stretcher for Shawn michaels um it looks like uh afterwards triple h hit a crotch chop over um Shawn michaels uh always always a hallmark of of triple h or or Shawn michaels of that time um the crotch chop but got a little bit of trouble in high school for that crotch chop but <laughs> uh didn't we all didn't, didn't we all? But um, so yeah, it speaks to we think that tri- that Shawn Michaels, right? We as fans, we as the plan all along with Shawn Michaels is he's going to go out in a stretcher, and this is this is it for him. Okay, it's the fairy tale ending. You give the crowd what they want. You give the pay per view audience you want the the greatest comeback. I put one of my notes: best comeback match ever. And if anybody else has another one, let me know. But. And this this was it, the best comeback match ever. You give the crowd what they want, but then the next night, Triple H is still with the company. You got to get him his heat, quote unquote, back. And that that was the post match at back. 
So um, a couple other points I have. uh, So on this shot of Shawn Michaels going up the ramp, you get to read some of the crowd signs, um, which really is a hallmark of that era was the ridiculous crowd signs that everyone used to have. And if you attended WWE, WWF events at that time, crowd signs could block out an entire section. You know, like that's how many signs were in crowds um even if you were at a random smackdown taping um there would be just an enormous amount of signs but this one caught my eye because all the signs said was pork um (laughs) classic sign and for me like i read that sign i'm like you know what same man same i i always went my trademark was always hey insert diva name here call me and would put down my real number. <laughs> it's not to this day. I regret that anybody has my number because I got calls five, six, seven times a day about warranties. I don't have and school loans. I've never taken out. So I, I don't know what in my head felt that I could give away my number like that. Uh, Just a different time. Is that better or worse than putting an article in a newspaper about wanting to sell your season tickets to a football team? Um, do you think the volume was better or worse? I can either confirm or deny that ever happened. <laughs> um, right. I've gotten 11 slash 12 missed calls. Um, so we're going to close out the SummerSlam uh, matches. Um, basically, my feeling was um, the match overall had some like just big momentum swings. Um, did not feel as long as uh, watching it as it felt rewinding it. Um, and overall, kind of, I, I feel like um, was a good chapter in both uh, Triple H and, Sha- and Shawn Michaels' kind of catalog of matches. This was a really entertaining match to watch. That's why I picked it, my friend. All right. So um, we're going to wrap up. SummerSlam um, and then we're going to come back uh, and I'm not sure how I'm going to edit but this could be another episode teaser for that or this could be the next segment depending on when the uploading begins but we're going to come back and we're going to talk Royal Rumble 1992 uh, both of us selected that as our favorite Royal Rumble so um, we'll be back after a short break um, or for the next episode um, to discuss Royal Rumble 1992. Thank you for sticking around for the end of this episode of the Driveway Athletes Podcast. Stay tuned for the next episode in the wrestling series, which will deal with the Royal Rumble, and then we'll close out the wrestling series with our favorite WrestleMania matches. If you guys enjoy hearing about uh, old wrestling matches and, and hearing Jack and Bill discuss those, Head on over to drivewayathletes.com, send us a message, or send us a message directly at drivewayathletes at gmail.com, and we can continue to do these episodes. Otherwise, keep your eye out for additional content uh, regarding resume of the NHL season, fantasy football, and uh, anything else that might come to mind. So thank you for sticking around. Thank you for listening. I hope that you enjoy these episodes as much as we do recording them because they are a lot of fun. Thank you.